part two chapters twelve and thirteen of on piety by jean gibert this librivox recording is in the public domain part two the fruits of piety chapter twelve piety aims at making us better the heathen never thought of religion as a means of moral perfection they went to their gods to appease them and not to imitate them these gods were too vicious to be imitated and the worship paid to them was often a defilement to the soul paganism then left a stout partition in man's heart between religion and life amongst the jews though they had the true worship of god the pagan tendency was nevertheless felt it was also vigorously combated by their prophets who wished to see religion not only on the lips but also in heart and hand this people honoureth me with their lips but their heart is far from me mark chapter seven verse six such is the reproach of jehovah to his people in the eyes of the true god worship is vain if it does not sanctify thought and deed this mutual interdependence between religion and morality is definitely consecrated by christianity jesus came to purify and restore the religion of his father but he understands it as being a means of moral progress be you therefore perfect he says as also your heavenly father is perfect matthew chapter five verse forty eight he that hath my commandments and keepeth them he it is that loveth me john chapter fourteen verse twenty one after teaching us in the pater to ask god for the pardon of our sins he immediately adds for if you will forgive men their offences your heavenly father will forgive you also your offences but if you forgive not men neither will your father forgive you your offences matthew chapter six verses fourteen and fifteen he warns us that without goodness piety is barren when he says not every one that saith to me lord lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father who is in heaven he shall enter into the kingdom of heaven many will say to me in that day lord lord have we not prophesied in thy name and cast out devils in thy name and done many miracles in thy name and then will i profess unto them i never knew you depart from me you that work iniquity matthew chapter seven verses twenty one through twenty three these words are very significant the author of our religion himself teaches us that our religion is mere trickery if it does not succeed in making our life better and his disciples preach the same doctrine see with what severity st paul judges those who in their piety neglect the duties of their state of life if any man he says have not care of his own and especially of those of his house he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel one timothy chapter five verse eight the apostle st james for his part insists upon this capital truth 
for even as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead james chapter two verses seventeen and twenty six religion clean and undefiled before god and the father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their tribulation and to keep oneself unspotted from this world james chapter one verse twenty seven this the authentic teaching of religion gathered by tradition and faithfully handed down to us makes piety both for individuals and for society an instrument of moral progress it has been given to man as a power from on high in order that by means of it he may become better and that by means of goodness he may be happier in this world and assured of bliss in eternity religion and morality piety and holiness are then indissolubly united by god a piety that seeks anything else than an increase in goodness mistakes its end a piety that would be its own end would be barren and rejected by god if goodness could exist without piety god would assuredly take more pleasure in it than in piety without goodness here we touch the very heart of christianity here is the moral mark that characterizes it if this fundamental law fell into oblivion it would go off in smoke the closer this alliance between piety and religion becomes the more will religion gain in consistency and the more will it acquire prestige and influence hence the fate of christianity is in the hands of those who profess and preach it they will ruin it where it is without virtue they will implant it and cause it to prosper wherever it shows that it is a moral force therefore it is seriously distorted if it is limited in its action to temporal advantages for there are christians so ill instructed as to the true character of their religion as to look to it for nothing beyond benefits of a material nature if prayer does not bring rain upon their fields when it is needed or if it does not prevent strokes of misfortune if prayer does not get for the labourer out of work the employment he desires or if it does not procure for every family in distress the bread for which it hungers if prayer does not cure all the illnesses of those who are dear to us and secure us from the hand of death what can be the good of it and what is the use of religion to man with such a spirit as this prayer is not addressed to god except under the pressure of some apprehension then recourse is had to the forms that are recommended as infallible receipts according to circumstances and this perverted religion without calling forth a single interior act of love for god looks for all success from the magical influence of a recited formulary or a lighted candle or a medal or a scapular it is not that god does not care for our temporal needs he makes provision for them by his providence and sometimes he condescends to signalize his intervention 
by striking acts that we rightly call miracles so that we have good reason to fly to him in our necessities nor does he at all disapprove of the external signs by which we express our desires provided that superstition does not transform them into pagan practices but all this is not religion it is only its rind a rind that is worth keeping so long as it contains and does not stifle religion religion particularly in its most active form which is piety is the ascent to god of the soul that confides in the divine power under this impulse the soul is lifted and purified and becomes more worthy of the god to whom it draws near the grace of god penetrates it ennobles it transforms it and fortifies it after being made better in all respects by this happy communion it returns to earth better equipped amidst its temporal interests it is enough if god have changed the soul without changing the circumstances in which it lives for it to find everything altered it has more courage to turn its powers and capacities to account and to conquer in the struggle for existence temporary defeats do not beat down its energy or prevent its recovery of self-possession so that it can set to work once more it remains in firmness and resignation to face the evils that it cannot get rid of and it makes use even of its sufferings to help on its moral progress such effects which are the fruits of religion are surely worth more to men than the transitory benefits of some earthly gain would that christians always sought in their piety for this inestimable good if every kind of distortion of piety is to be avoided it must also be prevented from becoming barren it is sterile in those who ask for nothing from it and who also get no profit out of it it is a loss to them if the time and the strength they spend in pious exercises yields them no return although it were to be regretted we might put up with the purely personal harm for which they themselves alone are responsible if it did not turn to the grave detriment of religion itself for piety falls into contempt among men when it appears empty and unfruitful in those who practise it the world knows you for a man of faith and piety it knows that you attend church that you receive the sacraments that you read religious books day by day that you have taken up certain devotions and that your name is in the front rank in confraternities and associations for good works but the world has its eye on you and takes note of all you do it sees that you give up none of the pleasures of your position that you are proud when you are out harsh and bad-tempered at home and that your tongue utters bitter and poisonous things your passions are stormy and not at all under control and your virtue is not above suspicion then what is the use of piety what difference is there between you who make a profession of it and unbelievers who speak against it 
what result has the grace of baptism had in your case what strength do you get from prayer if only you were more frank more just more gentle more charitable more generous and more mortified than other men they would say that these graces in you were the triumphant wonder of your piety but see to what scorn you expose it when your life shows that it has not made you better just as saints bring honour to god so do people whose piety is sterile lower him in the thoughts of men it is not that piety is able all at once to raise a soul to the height of virtue but that where it is sincere and active it at any rate puts it in the way of perfection but who has not observed that men judge one another not by the position in which they actually are but by the direction in which they are going as long as our course is towards that which is better our life will testify to truth and to the value of our piety chapter thirteen piety gives strength to the will piety is merely illusory when it accommodates itself to every moral weakness the distinctive mark of true piety is progress in goodness at least in the endeavour towards what is better between genuine piety and real virtue there is then a bond in their very nature this union is so close that virtue and piety afford the same stages of growth and falling away here is a man upon whose heart piety has taken a strong hold so that the thought of god encircles him the love of god fires him and the exercises of religion are his necessary food watch his conduct and you will see that at the same time he shows more self-control he is more gentle more devoted more ready for sacrifice and more generous in his work in proportion as his piety increases his virtue grows and if both continue to yield each other mutual aid he will get the immense charity of a saint vincent de paul or the insatiable zeal of a saint francis xavier but if after an impulse of fervour his piety begins to decrease if it is dissipated and falls from his heart together with an abandonment of his religious exercises you will at once find that all the springs of his life become relaxed in proportion as piety lowers his virtue goes by degrees and the man is like a disabled ship amidst the eddies of passion he becomes selfish exacting touchy cross and unfaithful to the duties of his state of life and then it is clear that his virtue depended only upon his piety this experience which has been observed hundreds of times by those who are pious both in their own case and in the case of others shows what a profound influence is exercised by piety upon the will for if virtue be the fruit of grace it is also a product of the will and it depends for its merit upon the conscious part played by the will a virtuous action gets its supernatural character from grace 
but it is because it is also the work of the will that it belongs to a man and is of value to him it is then by acting upon the will and by imprinting upon it a moral impulse that piety engenders virtue but in what way can piety have a direct action upon the will to see this clearly let us recall the nature and the conditions of the activity of this master faculty in man the will is an interior force that carries us towards the good its activity is manifested at first within but it must spring forth and spread itself without its interior effort consists in the firm decisions by which we determine to act rightly but this determination must be energetic enough to issue in outward action and to last it is like a spring which has been strongly wound up and is set loose thus transmitting to a distance the power which it has stored up or it may be still better compared to a motor full of accumulated energy which it expends in work only the case of the will is like an engine driven by steam however complete and well constructed it may be it is not always ready to act clear ideas are not enough for it just as a knowledge of machinery is not enough to set a motor going and just as in the motor steam under pressure is required for action so the will must possess a certain amount of heat of feeling to come into play if we know how to awaken and to enkindle feeling in the soul we then have the secret of moving the will now these are the conditions that cause an awakening of the feelings recollection which makes its appeal to all the powers of the soul and keeps them under control within the contemplation of some powerful truth which is capable of moving the heart by the continuous action of its illumination the inferior impulse by which the soul stirs itself up and urges itself to action and lastly the external influences that blow upon the fuel within and stir it into flame it is now easy to understand the assistance given by piety to the will it exactly realizes the conditions in which feeling takes its rise the inner and indispensable spring of the will we have already said that recollection is required to begin with but this is just the first law of piety piety is incompatible with distraction of mind it bids man withdraw as much as possible from the sounds and preoccupations of the world it invites him to enter into himself for it is only within his own heart that he can find god if he would pray to him however busy he may be he ought to have hours set apart in which he will belong to none but god and himself by piety faithfully practised the christian stores up fuel from which the flame may spring to fire his energies and next there must be the continued contemplation of some powerful truth but here again piety demands during the times for recollection meditation on religious truths 
now every one knows that of all the objects of knowledge the most serious and the most impressive for the soul the most independent of race and time those that move the heart to its profoundest depths are afforded to us by religion whether these truths appear in their living reality in the lives of the saints or in the mysteries of christ whether they be manifested as a revelation of our destiny or as a code of moral obligation they never leave us dead and cold reason no doubt is not without urgent considerations but religious motives are always still greater more universal and stamped with a higher authority the convictions that flow from them revived and renewed daily by piety pass into the state of habit they keep the heart at its full strength and hence feeling gains a really active power in the soul can any one fall into idleness for instance if several times a day he comes face to face with the truth that god has created him for action and that if he wastes his time he is wasting his life both in this world and for eternity further what an interior movement occurs in the soul when the heart admonishes and stirs itself to do better by frequent exercises of piety for piety is not satisfied with barren contemplation as soon as it has brought us face to face with some important truth it insists on our comparing our moral state with our ideal this examination of conscience produces confusion and yearning never discouragement then prayer rises up ardent prayer which is an impulse of the whole being towards the good a panting aspiration towards god what warmth there is in the soul what a stirring of the will what generosity of resolution lastly piety carefully arranges our external influences it creates about us by means of all the signs that it brings to our notice an atmosphere of warmth and comfort by the reading it suggests to us by the instruction to which it compels us by the personal admonitions and influences that it procures for us it fastens our attention provokes our activity and even stimulates our sensibility so many rays focused from every side on the centre of our souls raise its heat to the point at which it becomes a powerful energy in the hands of the will considered thus piety already realizes the human conditions in which the will is stirred however human these conditions may be they are none the less a grace from god for in giving us his grace god means first of all to make us act according to the requirements of our nature but his grace goes further still it is a help which is fundamentally imperceptible by human observation and known only by means of christian faith this grace prepares the act of will by the supernatural light that it imparts it determines it by the force that it communicates to it 
and it carries it to completion by means of the divine gift of perseverance this grace is the fruit of piety for god gives it to whosoever asks for it in prayer and to whosoever is in the proper disposition to receive it through recollection and mortification piety is then for the will the best source of its energy and since it is the will above all that gives man his value piety is for him of inestimable price End of part two, chapter 13.